This is the Thin Space Podcast. For when you demonstrate the same love I have for you, by loving one another, everyone will know that you're my true followers. John 13, 35. In our last few podcasts, we've been in conversation around the experience or reality that God truly meets us in silence. And in today's episode, we are with our good friend, Irvin Kimball, who has a remarkable story of meeting God in the silence and how it changed the course of his faith life. Irvin, welcome to the Thin Space Podcast. Thank you, Evan. I appreciate the uh, invitation to join you. Well, Irvin... um... We're so grateful that you're joining us, and you're joining us all the way from Colombia, the the country, not the city. <laughs> <laughs> yes, in Medellin, Colombia, South Medellin. America. Well, everybody that's listening here today, you are in for um, a very special experience. Irvin, we've known one another for, gosh, how many years has it been? Six mm-hmm. or seven, maybe? Six or seven. Yes, yeah, six or seven years. Um, and... Yeah. You know, I knew, I knew from the first time I met you that you were a really special man of God. And since that first meeting, I've come to know you are a really <laughs> special, special, special <laughs> man of God. And uh, so we're just so, so glad you're here. And we just thought maybe as a starting point, if, if you wouldn't mind just sharing a little bit of your, your story, your growing up, and just okay. a little bit about you. And, and then we can sure. talk about what, what happened when... Uh, the Lord spoke those words to you. Okay, well, thank you so much. I I really appreciate the opportunity to share with uh, your audience here in Thin Space and certainly uh, to uh, reflect on how my time with the Lord and how he's, uh, the impacts he's had on me concerning uh, this particular subject that we'll be discussing. But by way of um, who I am and a little bit of my background and my story, uh, I'm from Houston, Texas. my wife and I both are from the same city. And matter of fact, uh, she and I knew each other in high school. She was a senior and I was a, a junior, in co- well, a sophomore in college. Uh, and I dated her best friend and she dated my best friend. But then that's another story. We are, we're, not, we're not here to talk about that one, but it is an interesting one. <laughs> uh, but I grew up in, uh, in Houston, Texas and, um, you know, in predominantly all black neighborhood uh, and went to and, and graduated and went to college. And uh, from in college, I attended the University of Houston. Uh, I was that was in just so to give you a little bit of a reference and time frame, that was in 1966. So <laughs> when I was when I was a freshman in college, and um, I was one of the, I guess it was the second class of black undergraduates to be accepted at the University of Houston. So we were trailblazing uh, in that space of integration. Uh, so that, that was my introduction to college. And I went on and uh, after college, uh, went to work in the computer industry uh, where I rose up in the ranks in, in, in corporate and ended up as a marketing and segment manager uh, for a large computer company. Uh, and that was, you know, that was a, a pinnacle of my career, as I thought. <laughs> uh, but right in the middle of that, uh, what I would call success or what I would call uh, the American, you know, accomplishing the American dream, God called me to pastor. So 
It was very challenging. It was a difficult decision for me to make, uh, but God spoke to me very clearly uh, in a way that he could only, him, he, he is the one, only one could speak to me like that and made it very clear that he wanted me to leave my corporate career, my six-figure income, and go pastor a small church in uh, the suburbs of Atlanta. Uh, so, so I did, and uh, I left my six-figure income for a uh, annual salary of about twelve thousand uh, dollars a year, which was about my expense account for a month <laughs> on my corporate job. But uh, it was a uh, it was a decision that I made, and um, I told my wife that what had happened, that what God had told me, and I knew that she was going to say. Uh, no way can we do this. No, I can't, you know, I, no, no, no. And that was going to be my excuse. I was going to tell God that the woman you gave me didn't want to do it. So I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> but needless to say, she said, whatever the, she said, whatever the Lord told you to do, I'm with you. And she stuck with me from that point on uh, throughout our career. We pastored for 25 years. And just as clearly as he called me uh, to pastor and he made it very clear. He said, you have finished this assignment. And I was like, okay, well, uh, let me let me go ahead on. I, I, you know, so I told the congregation and we, uh, we prepared and put a, a transition team in place. And I stepped down as pastor and uh, assigned, there was another pastor assigned. And that was the, that's how my pastor did. So I, I figured my, my wife and I, we were going to, you know, ride off in the sunset and, and have a nice, you know, beautiful time together, traveling the world. And uh, uh, that didn't happen either. So, <laughs> so then God put me on this trajectory that I'm on now. Uh, and uh, that's, uh, those are the transitional points in my life. Uh, that's great. And there's, um, you know, if you were able to spend some one-on-one -on -one time with Urban, there's a lot more to this. <laughs> but, um, so, you know, we've been in, in, in some of the podcast leading up to this, Urban, we've been talking about how how important it is to seek God in silence mm -hmm. so that we can, you know, we can hear from him and meet him in ways that unless we do get silent, uh, we really can't. And, and I know because we were together when it happened, I know that happened to you at a solely business Absolutely. a few years back. And Absolutely. just thought that maybe as a transition into what we're going to be talking about here is to, if you share your story of that experience and, and then yeah, sure. um, share where that's led you and, and where God has you right now in, in all of it. Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, the, uh, the story begins here. This is the beginning. <laughs> uh, and it happened um, after I left the pastorate and, and, and that was very clear. And again, I didn't know where God wanted me to go. At least I, kind of figured I was done uh, because I had served, you know, God and, and country. I was a, um, an activist in, in my community in Gwinnett County. And so I had been involved in community activism and all kinds of things. And so I just kind of figured it was time for me to just kind of, you know, set back. A friend of mine came to me in the middle of our, my retirement uh, uh, who has a, a ministry in the Dominican Republic called Water and Works. And his name is Tom Flame. And he told me he wanted me to come help him uh, with this nonprofit ministry, um, building water plants in the Dominican Republic and distributing them to the, uh, uh, to the uh, Haitian immigrants that live there. 
so I said, okay, let me, I'll, I'll join you because we, we went back about 20 or 30 years. And so I joined him to, to do that. One of the, and so I came on as a development director. And one of the things that as development director, I had to do was build relationships and all that sort of thing. And uh, the, the, the CEO of the, of the nonprofit at that time uh, told me that one of the things in terms of developing our spiritual awareness and all of that, uh, that he wanted me to go to this uh, weekend retreat that was called Solely Business. Um, and I said, okay, why would I do that? Uh, he said, he said, because it's Christian businessmen and, you know, they, it's a great retreat and you'll get a lot out of it. I said, well, I've done, you know, men's retreats myself. I've attended at least 50 of them. So uh, I really don't need to go to this, Patrick. And he said, well, Irvin, uh, I'm not asking you to go to it. This is required. So, <laughs> so I said, oh, well, okay, if I will keep my job, I guess I have to go. So I had made up my mind. I said, okay, I'll go to this thing because that's what he wants me to do. And uh, so I went to it and I had been to Trace Diaz and Chris Seo and all of those re three, three day weekends. And I had participated in them. I would, had done the talks and all of that. And it was really, in my mind, a waste of time. But I said, okay, to be obedient, I'll go. And I went. And so I went, I got there. But that same, uh, that Saturday of the retreat, I had a funeral I had to do. And I had to show up on Friday and, and, and Friday night and then leave the retreat center, go all the way back to Atlanta and do the funeral the next day, then come back again and attend the rest of the retreat. So out of all of that, I was like, okay, this is really, really, really stressful. So after I got back that Saturday for the retreat, the first thing that I walked, when I walked in, everybody was talking about was spending some time with God and go and ask God. And I, I kind of walked into the, re the retreat at that time. And Larry was just giving us these instructions on how we should go out and talk to God and ask him, why does he love us? And, 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 I, and I'm saying, wow, this will be a great opportunity for me to take a nap because... <laughs> <laughs> I really know this. This is great. I said, so he said, you got an hour and a half to two hours and you just go out and find a quiet place and, and just and just be with God and talk with him. I said, great. I said, I'll go do that. My idea was to find a great spot. I found a great spot in the, in, on the veranda of one of the cabins and it was a shady place. It was a beautiful afternoon. And I said, I'm going to take a nap. And so I took, but I took my notepad and I, I did I, I dozed off. And as I was dozing off, I was going to sleep because <laughs> I, I was really tired. But <laughs> as I was dozing off, the Lord said, um, yeah, I, I want to talk to you. It's a good time for me to talk to you. And I, I, I said, well, OK. And he and I, you know, we have conversations like that. I said, well, what, what, I, don't, I don't need to talk to you about you, why you love me. Uh, I know that. He said, no, I don't want to talk to you about why I love you. I said, OK. Uh, Okay, well, what are we going to talk about? He said, I want to talk to you about why I love them. And I said, well, who is them? He said, the 200 white guys in the room. I said, well, what did that got to do with me? <laughs> he, said, he said, I want to talk to you about why I love them because you don't. I said, whoa, what do you, what do you, what do you mean I don't? Uh, I'm a pastor. I've pastor. I've preached at least fifty sermons on the love of God. Surely, I, you know, I know about all of that. 
He said, yeah, you know, but you don't love them. He said, you put up with them. You say you love them. You talk about loving them, but you don't love them. So that got my attention that, that I set up and I, I said, what are you, what is this? Help me with it. He said, I want to show you that you don't love them. And he began to reveal to me all of the frustration and the anger and the unforgiveness that I had in my heart toward white people. He showed me how that my life experiences growing up in the 60s during the civil rights movement and my struggle for racial equality in, the, in, in my whole life, my entire life, in, in, in my moving to the suburbs and with the white neighbors and within a year they had all left the neighborhood. Uh, how that my experiences on the bus and, and how the police and, and all of those experiences had shaped my perspective on white people and that I had not learned to love them. Even though I had the love of God in my heart, even though I was a believer, he revealed to me all of these things and how my personal aggression or my personal aspirations and, and determination in corporate and you know, my determination to prove that I was better than the white guy sitting next to me and to prove that I could, I was qualified for this job because if I didn't prove to be better than that guy, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get, I wouldn't keep my job. If I wasn't as, he's twice as good as he was, I was not going to get promoted. And, and these things had really shaped how my, how I viewed individuals and personal friends of mine in that very limited way, I had learned to live with my biases. And he said to me, he said that you are a closet racist, hiding in plain sight in the church. And that, that messed up my day. <laughs> that, that, that changed the trajectory of my life. And that put me on the path that I'm on now because once he revealed to me the fact that he, 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 re, he just revert, rehearsed in my hearing, uh, John 13, chapter 13, where I said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples when you show love one to another. And he said, you do not demonstrate the love of Jesus to, those, to your white brothers and sisters. And I started writing down all of these things that he was saying to me on that, that, that quiet time and that two hour span. I just wrote and I just wrote and I wrote. And I said, wow, this is more than I bargained for. And then when the time was up and the, the song started playing and it was time for us to go back in with all these guys. And it, because I was one of three, maybe four black guys in the whole 200 guys. So uh, that was not, unusual for me because in corporate, I was the only one in the only black person in the room, in the boardrooms, in the, in the sales meetings and in the forecast meetings, I was the only one. Uh, on the sales calls, I was the only one in the corporate offices. So that wasn't difficult for me. I had learned how to leverage my position as being the only one. That was an advantage in sales because I, I, I was always the center of attention. So going back into this room, he said, now when, I, when you get into the room, I want you to tell them what I told you. And that's when I, 
I didn't want it. I said, no, nah, Lord, you, you really don't want me to do that. That's going to blow my cover. I mean, <laughs> I'm going to stand up and say I'm a racist in the middle of 200 white guys. Come on, give me a break. And uh, I said, no, I want you to say that. And so at, during that meeting, I stood up and that's what I said, that I revealed, that God had revealed to me that that's what my position was. And I told them that I was, that what God had revealed to me. And God said, now tell them, I'm not the only, that you are not the only one. And I said, I'm not the only one hiding in plain sight in the church. Wow, Urban. Um, well, thank you for sharing that. And um, I think we all need to hear, hear that. So a lot, a lot has happened since that moment. Yes. Yeah. Would you just kind of share where the Lord has led you over the past sure. few years and, and where he has you right now? Because he's, he, um, from, from that moment, he's, he's unveiled quite a bit. Yes, he has. Yeah. yeah it, 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 one of the things that the Lord allowed me to experience was that he shared his heart with me and how, how painfully difficult it is when we as believers who profess the same Lord, the same God, the same baptism, the same spirit, uh, and yet we are of different cultural and ethnic backgrounds, and we let those things stand between us and an expression of the true love of Jesus. And, and he, he, he shared with me that burden. And so it has been overwhelming to me, the burden that he feels when we look at the news cycles every day in our culture. When we see the, the obvious turmoil that this division of racism has caused in our culture, and not just in our culture, but around the world, from generation to generation to generation, from, from before any of us were born, before any of us were even thought of, this issue has been an issue that's deep-rooted and, and within our culture and within our history for so many years. And the contemporary church is so silent on this issue. I mean, even when we see uh, the, the new, in the news cycle, we see the, the culture and the politics trying to deal with it. We see social activists trying to deal with it. We see even businesses trying to deal with this issue. And yet, when we see what's happening among the contemporary Christian evangelical church and the Black church, there is obvious division there that perhaps just as much as in the culture and sometimes even more. So, so this divide has been something that he put, he, he, it's a burden to him and he put that burden on me. So what began to happen to me was that I began to write out these things, these devotional re uh, revealings that he has been given me. He, he started showing me things. He started revealing things to me about not after I, I dealt with my own personal life. 
he began to show me what was happening uh, in my personal relationships. And then he began to show me what was happening in our community relationships. And he showed me what was happening in our church relationships and how that this division has, uh, has been going on for so many years and that the church has ignored it uh, throughout history and that it has never been addressed even though it affects believers, black and white and brown and Hispanic and Native Americans. And, and we never, we act as if it doesn't exist. So as he began to show it to me, I began to write it down and I began to, uh, to share my experiences and my thoughts with other people and, 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 and whoever would listen, I share with them, I talk to them about it because it was very, it was a difficult conversation to have. And I found that people are, have it, uh, you know, either enter into the conversation offensively or defensively. And it makes it difficult once you've taken a position to start talking about this issue in the context that God wants us to talk about it. And that is that the lack of demonstration of love to one another is a sin. And because it's based on racism, then we had to look and he began to reveal to me that the way that racism has been brought into our culture is a sin issue. Uh, because anytime that we have been offended, anytime that we have been hurt, then it's an issue that we have to reconcile that with one another. Otherwise, it builds walls of separation between us. That happens in marriages, that happens in personal relationships, that happens in, in community relationships, that whenever there's an offense, someone is, hurts me or I hurt someone else, I sin against them or they sin against me. If we don't deal with that, it builds a wall. And so what we're struggling with in our culture and in our church life is that these walls have been built and we have never really addressed the, the, the process of tearing down those racial barriers that have been erected over years and centuries and generations and generations. And so the Lord told me that the first thing I was to do is to write a book. And I've never written a book before. <laughs> uh, so that was, that was a whole new experience for me. Uh, I could write a sermon in four hours. Uh, after four years, I finally finished the book. <laughs> I know, um, Irvin, in some of the conversations that you've had with Jody and myself, mm -hmm. one of the things that you've said that's you know, very much related to what you just, just shared is that our inability to love one another as, as God desires, as Jesus desires for us to love one another with his love is, is, as it relates to racism is, is a spiritual issue. Mm -hmm. Could, can you share a little bit about, you know, when you say it's, you know, we're, we're trying to solve it through the various things that you just described when, in fact, at its foundation, it's a spiritual issue. Could you share just your thoughts on that? Sure. That's, thank you for, yeah, for bringing that up. As a marriage counselor, I, I'm also a, a counselor, a, a Christian certified Christian counselor and, 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 and therapist. And one of the things that I, I learned in counseling is that when you have a, a breach in a relationship, when you have conflict in relationships, and particularly even conflicts in marriage, uh, that 
because the institution is God-ordained, then the thing that disrupts its anything that's divine is that which is spiritual. It's a spiritual matter because of the context in which we live our lives. As believers, we can't separate ourselves from our spiritual identity. And so we have been called out as a called out group of people. Uh, and so the adversarial relationship between that which is spiritual is 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 is, is satanic. It's it's evil. It's 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 the the contrast between good and evil. It's the you know that darkness and the light. And so when there's darkness in the life and the livelihood of the believer, it's a sin or a spiritual issue. And so and, and so dealing with conflict in marriage and dealing in conflict in relationships as a spiritual matter and 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 addressing it in those contexts of of, of of first of all identifying and accepting the fact that it's an issue in in any kind of relationship if you don't realize or if you don't accept the fact that it's broken then there is no solution to fixing it because you don't feel like they have a problem. If you didn't, if we didn't realize at some point that we were sinners, then there was no space for salvation because we wouldn't need it. So God convicts us of our sin in order that we might deal with it out of his grace and his love. So God convicted me of the sin of racism so that I could, out of my conviction, address it and apply the grace that he affords me so that I could overcome that. Uh, but I had to get to a space in that quiet time where he revealed to me that my thoughts, my actions, my upbringing, my training, my life circumstances had been steeped in error. It was steeped in misconception. It was steeped in, in, in lies and that the truth of the matter rests with him. And so he revealed to me my own personal fallacies in order that I could deal with them. And I think that's the challenge when you start talking about dealing with this issue of, 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 of how to deal across the racial divide is that until we deal with it on a personal level that says that, you know what, I, got, I have some issues that I really would like God to reveal to me or would, for God to help me overcome. He has to, we have to put our stuff in that space where we allow him to speak to us so he can say to us, this is where you are, because each of us are in our own different places and we have our own different uh, lifestyles and our own different families of origins that have taught us certain things that are not true. And so fundamentally, the idea behind the sin issue in racism is the belief or the belief that we have that we believe things that are not true. And that's what we, about even our own personal self in terms of who we are in Christ and what Christ did for us. And we have to get to a place where we change our thinking. That's called the process of sanctification. So that I have to change my thinking, my sinful thinking to, to be to, to that of of, of the Holy Spirit revealing to me, this is what I want to teach you. This is the truth. Because Jesus said, by the, if you follow me and you stay in my word, you keep my word, then you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So anytime we're in this whole space of, 
of division and this space of, of, of conflict, that's what I, I call bondage. We're in bondage. And the only way that we can be free is that the truth has to be revealed. And the only way the truth is revealed is the Holy Spirit has to reveal it to us because we don't, nobody wants to believe that they believe a lie. <laughs> you know, getting somebody to admit that they believe a lie is, is a challenge. So only mm -hmm. God can do that. So we have to get, allow ourselves to come to that space where the Holy Spirit lets us know this is what I want you to realize because my grace is sufficient for you. I have a plan for it. I want you to move beyond it, but you got to deal with it first. You said something that prompted a question in my head, and this feels like a, a, a good time to ask the question. Sure. You said you put words to something actually that I've thought uh, mm -hmm. and didn't have the words to regarding racism and beyond spirituality mm -hmm. relationships. And it's that people enter, enter conversations offensively or defensively. Sure. And that's such a great insight into how we approach conversations. I think it's probably more helpful if we use that insight to measure how we ourselves are approaching more than we measure how other people are approaching. But then it, the, the question that came to mind as you said that is what is the other option? outside of offensively or defensively yeah. we're so often put in a place where we must choose one of those sure the word that comes to mind for me is curiosity like what does a position of curiosity look like but i didn't know do you have any thoughts or words to put into how we enter those conversations outside of an offensive or defensive position uh, yes i i I've been given I've given that a lot of thought. Thank you for asking that, Evan. Uh, I've given that a lot of thought because when in, and I think in and all of us, if we just look, you know, think back over perhaps some of our experiences of of trying to have that conversation uh, and how it ended up, you know, it, it tends to not end up well. And the thing that God revealed to me was that, and and what I think is a requirement is is that we have to enter into a safe place. Hmm. The, 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 the challenge with the discussion and, and the reason we are either offensive or defensive is primarily because of fear. Fear of the unknown, fear of maybe something that we, we believe to be true about another person or a group of people. Uh, fear of loss, fear of a lot of different things. So we, we come into it from a perspective of feared motivation. And what God revealed to me was that the first thing that has to happen is that he has to give us a sense of peace, a sense of safety. And so if I'm in a safe place, then I can be honest. If I'm in a safe place, then I can be expressive. If I'm in a safe place, I can afford to be wrong. When we're talking about, so in, in our typical political conversations, that's not a safe place to talk about because we automatically, oh, you know, you know, a donkey or an elephant or whatever, somewhere, or something in between. So we already have a position and we already have a, a posture of defensiveness. When we talk about it in a social setting, uh, as a social discussion, we, we already have our social experiences and, and we have the social 
uh, activities that are going on. We have the, the, this new cycle playing in our head. And, and so that's not a safe place to be. That's, you know, that's confrontational. And, and so it's a very, and even when we get in church is, is not, it's not, it's, it's more in, in that setting, it, it's more uh, uh, of a concealing kind of thing. I just won't say it. I, I, I'll see it, but I won't, I won't address it because it's not Christian-like. It's not hmm. acceptable to talk like that. So safe place is what the Lord revealed to me is that we need to be in a place where he is present and he can say, it's okay. You, 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 don't, you don't have to be right. We're not here to condemn. We're here to release. We're here to, to explore, much like you said. I want you to be curious enough to ask the question, to open the door to the possibility that there's something I want to share with you. Kind of like uh, me about to go to sleep on that bench, it was safe enough to where he could speak to me. Hmm. Yes, safety does seem to be a prerequisite for the allowance of curiosity. It, yes, it, it is difficult to be curious in unsafe situations or places, physically, sure. emotionally, mentally. Uh, so I, that's a, a, a great insight. How do we find these safe places? You, I, in my mind, I was thinking uh, yeah. of your time that you just mentioned, the, in the silence or yeah. Yeah. in these places where we're with ourselves and with God and, and we feel safe enough to express what we think without mm-hmm. judgment coming from exactly. God. And, and, and that's usually met, uh, or, or I say usually, I can maybe make a definitive statement here, that's always met with love from God uh, and the freedom to be wrong, I, I think is what I'm hearing uh, from you and, and just kind of absolutely. putting back out there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that one of the things that, you know, subsequent to, to God revealing to me, and that was one of the things he, he really expressed to me early on was that, you know, the challenge with having the conversation was the safety issue. People need to be safe. Uh, or feel safe, and you have to uh, generate that, and and so that's what led me from to going beyond uh, the book um, to producing what I call truth talks, which is an opportunity to where I I I purposely put together, and God led us to develop this these Zoom meetings, these virtual meetings, where we generate the idea is to. Spend time just letting God create that safety and let him express his love uh, through individuals, but also through a, uh, through a time of meditation, a time of prayer, a time of, of looking at truth in his word and knowing that it's out of his love that he's brought us to this conversation. Uh, and once we sense that, and once uh, individuals who participate sense that, then it opens the door for him to continue uh, with this process of, of revelation. There are three parts to the book and three parts to the, the process that God has revealed to me that's necessary to deal with the issue of race and racism in the Christian community. The first one is revelation. And that's what you were alluding to. Uh, and that has to, 
you have to have that safe place for revelation to take place. And revelation is simply God revealing, where God reveals to each of us personally where we are, where am I in, in, in this whole process? And because each of us is, we are in a different place and we have different life experiences. Our family backgrounds are different. Our cultural backgrounds are different. And so we need that revelation and he has to reveal that. We have blind spots that, uh, and, and untruths that need to be exposed. And he's the one that has to do that. So we have to create that opportunity, create that space. The second thing is illumination. And that process of illumination is where we learn truth. And that's where God has to reveal truth uh, because we need to know the truth in order that we might move to that place of freedom. So we have revelation where he reveal God. Only God can re show us our blind spots and uh, uh, show us the places that we don't know, uh, the unknowns, he's the only one that can do that. And once he does that, then he illuminates us by revealing truth, the historical truth, the cultural truth, the relational truths, uh, the economic truths, the truth that exists uh, that around this issue of racism. Until we deal with it from the context of truth, then we, we're, we're still in bondage. So he has revelation, then it's illumination, and then the third phase is unification. And that's where he, we have to enter into this process of fending for the unity of the faith. The faith in Jesus Christ affords us the unity through the Holy Spirit, but we have to learn how to apply the unity that he has given us so that we it can be demonstrable and people then can see. I don't, I don't talk about the, you know, the idea of, of, of and, and you hear a lot of people talk about uh, reconciliation as being the end point. Uh, I don't see reconciliation as not the end point. Unification is the end point because it's in that sense, space of unity where the true love of Christ is revealed. It's revealed in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in that unity that they bring. Uh, that's how he demonstrates. His, so his love is demonstrated uh, in this space of unity um, and reconciliate the word. The term reconciliation applies to our spiritual journey as we reconcile one with God because we were once once with God. And so the idea in from a cultural sense and a historical sense and a racial sense is that it's not about reconciliation because it's never been in our history where there was a healthy relationship between blacks and whites in America. That, that's never existed. So you can't go back to something and try to, you know, that's not the, the more descriptive term there is conciliation rather than reconciliation. So we, 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 we went, so God led us to, to deal with unification as opposed to those other vacations. <laughs> well, I love that, Irvin. And, and I remember you talking about revelation, illumination, and unification. Um, when Larry and I were fortunate, fortunate enough to be part of the Truth Talks recently with a group of um, people. And, and I just, it's almost like I don't have words for it other than to say highly recommended and and, you know, and maybe speaking for myself, because I want to be honest here, mm -hmm. True. Um, I thought I was 
doing okay with loving <laughs> like you. I was loving through my biases. I, I love that. And, um, and, and God revealed that that was the case and that it was important for me to, um, to find a way to, to find community where I could step into this. And, and, and we've talked about this too. My community is, there are a few black people in my community, but there aren't mm -hmm. many. Sure. Sure. So it's hard to, it's hard to find those safe places to, um, mm -hmm. to have a conversation. So that's what you've created through truth, truth talks. And I was so grateful. Um, in fact, I would do it again. You're invited think, to join us again. Let's yeah, do it again. Let's do it We're again. We're going to do it again. <laughs> okay, good, good. Well, hopefully we'll talk about that a little bit at the end so we can um, point people to that if they're led. But I just wanted to share a couple of things that came to mind. Um, first is a quote by Martin Luther King. Mm -hmm. The Reverend King said, love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. And boy, have I come to know that in this Christian, mm. like we can't make ourselves love through these biases, but boy, the Holy Spirit, Spirit is certainly there to help us. And, um, and in him, all things are possible. And, and I've seen that in my life, in relationships in my life. And then I, um, I found an, a sermon recently done by Father Richard Rohr. And I mm -hmm. shared this with Larry and, and Evan and it just really touched me because it, it speaks to this. Father Rohr said, there's a staging in our growth in love. We have to start with self-love and mm -hmm. respecting the self. Mm -hmm. If we don't love and respect ourselves, we don't know how to respect anyone else. And it just, to me, speaks to mm -hmm. that revelation. We got to get mm -hmm. in that silent place with God so that he can reveal those blind spots you spoke of, those, those places. Like I said, I thought I was doing pretty good but it's a place he wanted to have a conversation. Mm -hmm. And then it said, then God moves us to group love, family love, mm -hmm. which is basically the love of people who are connected to us or who mm -hmm. are like us. Mm -hmm. That's an easier kind of love, usually. Mm -hmm. Not mm -hmm. always, but usually. Mm -hmm. And then finally, he moves us to this third level, which is universal love, which is that unification, mm -hmm. um, that beautiful image you paint of what it looks like to be unified as Father, Son, and Spirit are unified. And what, what made me sad is in the sermon, Richard Rohr said, a much smaller number of people get to this place. And mm. that breaks my heart. Yeah. That's, that's a burden. So I just think you asked Larry a question, like a very, like, this is the question. And it, it so struck me. And the way you asked it is, is you, do you believe racism is a sin. Like that's where we start. Mm -hmm. And then, and I asked you um, in our conversation before the podcast, as we think about John 13, mm -hmm. um, the way God kind of re reframed that question in my heart was, do you believe Jody not to love someone is a sin? Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of those questions that it's really important to take to God and, and mm. see what he has to say to us. Because mm. for myself, I, I know it in my head, mm -hmm. but was I living it in my heart? No, I wasn't. Mm -hmm. And so there's this journey to this universal love. And, 
And I'll just close on this because in, in the sermon by Father Rohr, he goes on to use Acts 10 to -hmm. talk about how Peter through the Holy spirit was being guided to this notion of universal love when he saw that, Oh my gosh, God loves the Gentiles as well as Mm -hmm. the Jews. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I just sense this spiritual matter that, that um, you've reframed this whole conversation on racism for me as a spiritual matter that we can trust the Holy spirit that if, if we will open our hearts, he can lead us to that place of unification or universal love. And, and maybe it's not just for a few, maybe it's for a whole lot of us. Mm-hmm. And, um, and wouldn't, wouldn't mm-hmm. I like to prove father Roar <laughs> wrong about that one, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, Jody, thank you for sharing that. That to me is, was at the heart of the matter for, for me when, when God began this whole process uh, and, and that is, he helped me decompartmentalize my thinking and my experiences uh, from, you know, the social experiences, the, uh, the family experiences that, that I had and, and the individual experiences uh, that I had in my life and, and, and in our lives where the social and cultural and political realities of the division has shaped us even before we begin to, before we come to know Jesus. We've already been shaped. It's not something that, and, and as I say sometimes when I have a discussion, uh, the issue when we're facing this issue and, and really trying to figure out how do we approach it, we cannot approach the issue of racial bias as if it's a current event, as if it's something that's just happening or if it's just me. It's not, it's not a current event and it's not, you're not by yourself. <laughs> you, we're all victims. And that's, that's, that's where this whole idea of sin comes in. We're all victims of sin. You know, we, we all were born into sin. We, we, it, it, it's around us. It, it, you know, you, you, while you're in your mother's womb, you were shaped in sin and in iniquity. So we, we've been in this thing all of our, you know, infant lives, and, you know, pre-K lives and adolescent lives and, you know, all through our adult life, we've been in this thing. So coming into a, a saving grace with Jesus Christ and the knowledge of, of, of the grace of God does not erase what we've already been brought up in. And so the idea then becomes, in order to get to that place where I can demonstrate that universal love, that love that goes beyond those who are close to me and those who look like me to those who don't look like me and those who I have been taught to fear or I've been taught to distrust or I have been taught that's different from me. And and, and to get to that place requires a healthy dose of the Holy Spirit and a process and an opportunity to work through it to get to that place. It just doesn't happen simply because I want to, or it just doesn't happen because I think that, you know, this conversation is necessary. No, it, it doesn't happen even just by attending one truth talk. It happens as a part of a process 
where God takes us to be in that place where supernaturally we are able to overcome that, uh, not just pushing it aside, but actually coming to a place where the Holy Spirit will, will, will eradicate that, where he replaces it with his presence and the ability for us to love uh, the unlovable and to love the unknown uh, and those people that are different from us. Irvin, one of the exercises in, in the truth talks that was really powerful for me, and I, and I don't want to give too much away here because I really do want people to consider um, experiencing a truth talk for themselves, but it reminds me of what you just said, where we took an opportunity to kind of revisit the past in our life, not just our personal past, but even generational mm -hmm. past, where, we, where we're coming from or where where we were shaped from, I guess, the, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. outside of God, how we were, how we were shaped by experiences and by just our own history. And, and, and that was really powerful for me mm -hmm. sitting in that and, and provided much, much space for, for revelation um, mm. to come. And, and just maybe, could you share a little bit about why that's important to get, to get in touch with our past? Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the things that in order for, and when we start talking about liberation and that's what we're talking about, how, how can I be liberated? I want to be free. And, 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 and in, in the, in the, in the space of freedom comes the peace and the joy and the ability to, to live that kind of life. And that's where we, that's where we really, you know, as believers, we know that that's what God, uh, calls us to, and we know that he empowers us to be and live in that space of freedom and liberty uh, and free to love, free to love, in order to be free to love, then we, we have to deal with uh, some of the things that happen that hinders us from doing that. What, what hinders us from being, uh, even in, 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 in our personal relationships, what hinders us from being at free to love uh, our past experiences. And oftentimes we find ourselves in our cultural, not, not just cultural experiences, but even more intimate experiences that we have within our family structure. And, and so, you know, we oftentimes find the challenges of perhaps um, growing up in an abusive family, growing up in the family of alcoholism, growing up in a family of abuse and, and growing up in, in different kinds of family structures uh, tend to put roadblocks in our way and we have to overcome all of that. And that's what, what you know, Jesus Christ and, and the Holy Spirit affords us, that, that new identity that we are, you and we are, we are not, the old things have passed away, behold, all things have become new that I'm a new creature in Christ, that you know, I have been born again. And so in order to embrace that new identity, we have to sometimes explore, what am I being freed from? And, and, and there are a lot of things that happened for generations and generations ago uh, concerning slavery and concerning you know, uh, Jim Crow and all of these things that you hear people talk about, but we don't, we don't associate any of our past experiences to that. 
But those things have shaped us as a country, as a nation, as a world. I mean, this is, I'm here in South America. I find some of the same issues here among South Americans that North Americans are experiencing uh, because it's universal. And so we have to address the things that we have been taught uh, because those are the things that we, that we instinctively, we build reflexes around what we have been learned, what we have been taught generation after generation. And there are some things that we remember our family, if we remember some of the, the, the sayings of the, the family discussion around the table, the dinner table, the things that happen in our house stay in our house. Um, this is our family heirlooms. This is our family legacy. And this is the way we are because of your great grandfather. And, and he taught us this. And, and we go back to our roots, uh, whether they're in, 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 you know, whether I'm from Italy and the Italians, this is the way we do things. Or whether you're European or Eastern European, these are the things that we learn and that have been passed down from generation to generation. And those things are steeped in biases and they're steeped, even though there are some good things, there's not some not so good things and they all have shaped us. And so until we deal with that truthfully, and until we really come to grips with what all of those things that some of them we've forgotten, we just, they just living in the back of our minds uh, that we've learned uh, and until we relearn those things and, and allow our new identity in Christ to supersede that and to help us overcome that, then we, we still are stuck in that, in that cycle of repeating them over and over again. And then here's the, here's the other side of that, is passing it on to the next generation. And that's where the challenge comes is because it's gener it becomes generational. I not only love this conversation, um, I'm just continue to realize how critical it is in, uh, in the heart of God. Um, you know, when uh, Irvin, when I, one of the ways that I experienced the truth talks was kind of like Jody was saying is that there was some things, there were many things that I was taught, whether it was in school or whatever it might be, um, where I didn't, you know, I was not hearing the full story. And, um, and I learned many things in going through the, through truth talks that just, to be honest, just broke my heart. And, um, and it, and it was hard to hear some of it and to learn about it, but it was really, really vital. And what just even, even in this conversation, what's really hitting me is, you know, we, we, I can't live out what Jesus said was more important than anything else. When he said, you know, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord, your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor mm -hmm. as you love yourself. And that we, and I can't do that without God. Absolutely. And there are no boundaries on love your neighbor. There are no boundaries. And I just, you're, you're, the whole story of how he led you into this is, it's your story, and yet it's all of our stories. Mm. It's like, well, we seek him out. 
Will we, will we ask for that revelation? Will we ask, you know, for the illumination? And by the power of the spirit, can we, can we, can we truly walk in the unity? Yeah, this is, this is important stuff <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm really excited um, about what God is doing uh, in this space, um, particularly uh, as it relates to to my life and and what He's He's giving to me to do. And and it, I'm, I'm you know I take no, you know I say oftentimes when and you've heard me say it before, is that I I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> I, I didn't sign. This was not my lifelong objective. Is to be. Uh, in the space talking about uh, race and racism as it relates to the Christian community and and what, you know, and how we are to overcome it. Uh, you know, I was content to be able to write a book on discipleship or uh, one on, you know, uh, you know, how to teach a Bible study class or something. But, <laughs> but this is where God called me to. And so I, I didn't sign up for it, but he called me to it. Uh, and and I've learned throughout my, my Christian walk that whatever he calls me to, uh, that my response is yes and amen. <laughs> uh, and and, and that's, that's just the way he, uh, I've learned to walk with him. So, so I'm in this space because he called me to it. Uh, the other thing is that uh, he put on my heart is to, is to make things uh, or make the process uh, such that it's beneficial to help people become more equipped to have the conversation. Uh, there are a lot of people who want to, you know, genuinely want, particularly believers who really want to do something about it. They just don't know what to do. Uh, and they really have a desire to see something change. Uh, they just don't know what's the first step. Uh, and, and that was legitimately, you know, me and I was a legitimate many of us. And so what God has just kind of directed me is to is, 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 is to help people take that first step, help them to, uh, to, to make, you know, as he leads them. And the, one, the other thing is I found that he's the one that's motivated. If, if that's in your heart, if, if those are in the listening audience, if, if you sense that, you know, this is something that, you know, you, you need to be engaged in or you're sensing you want to know more about it, that's not you. <laughs> that's him. Uh, because his desire is that we address this issue. And, and if he's leading you into that space, then what my job is, is to say, here's a door. You can come through that door if you choose, uh, but it's a door that I genuinely believe will be beneficial and helpful to help you get to a place where you can begin that journey to walk across the racial divide, to take that journey. And it begins with one step. And that first step uh, to me is, um, you know, it was in my book. My book is there. Uh, and I, but, but the book is for more information. Uh, the truth talks, which are the Zoom, virtual Zoom sessions, offer transformation. Uh, and because God, I believe God wants us to enter into a transformational experience uh, in order that he might change our lives. And so that's what Truth Talks is, is, my prayer is designed to be, is transformational, to make a difference uh, so that people can begin this journey, take that first step, enter into it uh, more clear-eyed, uh, more equipped, and more confident 
that, yeah, I, I, I'm not there. I, I don't may not have all the answers. I don't know how I have all the discussions, but I feel very confident that this is what he wants me to do. And some of the barriers have begun to fall. So I can go into building relationships because at the end of the day, that's how we demonstrate this love is through our relationships one with another. And that's how we can show the world that we love one another because we have meaningful and personal relationships that says, this is me and this is, and I've come to this place where you and I can have a, an honest and loving relationship, not because of my own abilities, but because of what he's done and what he continues to do through his Holy Spirit. So that's what I, I hope and that's what I'm excited about uh, for uh, those who want to enter into this journey. You know, Irvin, one of the things that's as a truth that's resonating so much in, inside of my heart and what you're sharing is that for there to be true transformation, um, God, the, the spirit of God really must enter into our hearts. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he does that in ways that we can't necessarily predict, just like your situation you shared. And there's hope for all of us. I mean, this is um, having, you know, having the safe conversations, like what you're talking about, Irvin, is really the starting place. It's a starting point. Turning, turning to God together. You know, one of the things that Urban does in the Truth Talks is we are constantly stopping to pray with God, to give thanks to God, and um, never venturing away from Him. <laughs> you know. Yeah. 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 I think apart from Him, uh, you know, without Him being, and I think that's the challenge that oftentimes we we run into when we try to have these discussions if we don't remain focused and, and, and make sure that at every opportunity, we allow him to interrupt us uh, and, and, and intentionally interrupt us, uh, then I think we, we, we run the risk of falling uh, victim to the, the distraction that tends to be characteristic of, of trying to have a conversation about race uh, apart from him. Uh, so I think that's, that's important. So yes, that's, that's one of the reasons why, you know, God made it very clear when we were putting these things together that don't, don't, don't leave, don't, don't stray, don't stray away from me. The other side of it is that uh, prayer, I think is, is, is the weapon, the, you know, the secret weapon that we have that we oftentimes don't use enough uh, in this conversation, in this space to allow God to help us with this. Irvin, there's a lightness with which you speak about such a heavy topic that is, it does, it can't go unnoticed. Uh, you've got a, you've had a smile on your face today as we've talked over zoom sure. uh, that, I, I smile back at you as you have these uh, words that you speak about something that is, I imagine, uh, not always easy for somebody to smile as they speak about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and that stands out to me. And 
I'm sure this isn't the first conversation on race or, or around the topic or around the subject of race that the listeners have, have heard mm-hmm. over the past year or, or, or beyond. I can't help but hope that the the safe place that you've talked about, the this lightness, this seriousness as well, uh, with a lightness, I don't know what other words to use, but it, there's something different about it, sure. is what I'm saying. And I, if I if I try to put words to it, I think it would be the the safe place that you mentioned earlier. I feel very safe in this conversation, and you also seem as though you feel very safe in this conversation and in this world. And that's a beautiful place to be. And I think it's a necessary place, even for the journey that Jody mentioned earlier. This mm-hmm. journey of self love has to start from a safe place, feeling safe with ourselves, accepting ourselves, the good and the bad, bringing those things to the light and acknowledging them. Mm-hmm. And then doing the same with our family and our friends, the people yeah. who are like us. And then doing the same with those who are very different than us or, uh, or we're told by other people are our enemy, whether we identify them as our enemy or not. Right. And then even those that we do identify as our enemy, sure. uh, the other, uh, there's, yeah. there's such power in the way that you've approached this and this, this process of revelation, illumination and unification. Mm-hmm. And uh, Larry and Jody, you probably know this, and this is why we're talking to Irvin today, but I, I've thought so many times how relevant this in the role of silence and, and being still with God is as we go through this process. Silence seems to have an important role, the right type of silence, and it, it never ends. Silence always ends with some sort of noise. It doesn't end in silence, it mm-hmm. seems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that uh, for me, uh, in those quiet places is where you know God speaks the loudest, hmm. and uh, particularly the more difficult the subject, uh, the more time we need to spend listening. Because, and and I, I say that all the time is that he he's always speaking. The only question is, are we listening? And we can't listen. And 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 I, I write that in my book about the fact that around this subject, there is so much noise. There's so many voices, mm-hmm. and these are loud and bolstered. You know, they're very opinionated. They're very strong voices around this subject, uh, and and so people. So we end up as a as a as people hearing the voices and hearing the noise. But the question I ask, even in the title of my book is called Giving Voice to Truth, uh, God's Heart for Racial Unity. And so even around that topic, God just revealed to me that there's so many noises that his people are hearing, but they're not hearing him. Mm. There's so many voices uh, and articulations that the culture is hearing but the culture doesn't hear him. And the only, and the voice that he has for the culture is his people. Uh, we are his voice. We are the voice of God in the culture. And, and so that's why I think that the, the challenges on us as believers to speak 
the voice of God, to, to give voice to his, to him, uh, so that he, and on this issue, and I think it needs to be very clear, uh, and this be very clarion, that he has a voice. He, he, has, he has spoken, and he continues to speak. It's not like God doesn't, is not aware of this. It's not like God doesn't see it, and it's not like God is not engaged in it. He's engaged in it, but the, the challenge is where are his people when the conversation starts? And that's what my, my prayer is that we become equipped, we become emboldened, and we become pliable enough to be used to speak, bold enough to speak, because somebody has to, you know, somebody has to speak it. I, I, so a friend of mine, he's passed on, he was an elder. When I would tell him about profound things, he would listen and his, and his words would be, somebody ought to say something about that. Mm. <laughs> so somebody ought to say something about this and it needs to come from God's people. Urban, mm -hmm. thank you. And as, as I was listening today, um, I've realized that I'm so grateful for that doorway that you've provided into the truth talks because it's, he's awakened a longing that's been there in my heart for a long, long time. Mm. And, wow. and, and I'm going to get a little sappy right now, but what came to mind is I think when I first fell in love with Jesus, like really fell in love with Jesus Mm -hmm. was when I saw the movie Godspell in the 70s. Mm. And I know I'm dating myself, and, <laughs> and many of you probably have not seen Godspell. But the beauty of the, the community of love and acceptance, and Jesus just had a place for every one of them, you know, no matter what color, what, what sex, what what personality, they all had a place with Jesus. And I just realized that that's something I've longed for forever. And I just, I just sense that that doorway, that invitation is, um, at least for me, as part of that realization that, that, that the beauty of our uniqueness, mm -hmm. the beauty of universal love, of unification, Mm -hmm. is as close as I can get to Jesus this side of heaven. <laughs> Amen. 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 You know, Irvin, if there's, is there anything else that, um, and you can take a minute or two, if, mm -hmm. if there's anything else that you feel led to share, and, and there may not be, but just to give you a little space here mm -hmm. in case there's something else that's on your heart. Um, the, the, I guess the, the thing that, that I, I sense some, sometimes that's challenging is when we get to a place where we, to admit to ourselves and, and to answer that question, whether or not we are part of the solution or we are part of the problem. I think oftentimes we, you know, and I, and I had to ask that question of myself, you know, in, in the midst of, of, of all that we do, 
and, and around this issue and, and knowing God's heart and knowing his passion that we might demonstrate that love one to another. Uh, then I, I had to come to grips with, you know, personally asking God, you know, it, it's kind of like the conversation that uh, the disciples had around the table when Jesus said, one is going to betray me. He said, you know, Lord, is it me? <laughs> you know, is it I? Is it I? Am I, am I the one? Uh, and I think we have to get to that. For me, that was a very humbling process or humbling thought is that in the midst of evaluating the heart of God and his desire uh, for us to demonstrate that love and that in a universal way across uh, the divide, I have to ask myself the question, Lord, is it, you know, what is it about me? It's, it's kind of like um, when the prophet, uh, you know, said that, you know, Ezekiel says, search me, O God, uh, and know my heart. Try me, and if there's any unclean thing that's within me, you know, reveal it. And, and I think that's a pivotal place to be is search me, try me, and and that's an humbling place. And oftentimes that, 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 don't, that comes in a time when we're, we're alone with him and we're trusting him um, and we're yielding to him so that he could speak to us in that way. And, and, and so to me, that's, you know, we have to, you know, for me, that's, that's where I start is search me, O oh Lord. Uh, even, even, even in the midst of, you know, this whole process, I have to, every time we have a, a Zoom session, I, I, I ask him to, you know, help me get to that place where I need to be for the moment, for the experience, for the opportunity, so that he could get all the glory and that we can point to him and say, he did it, not me. Because at the end of the day, it's not based on you know, how good I am and, you know, how well I've behaved and, and what I've demonstrated and what I've done. It's, it's what, he is, what he has done for me, in me, and through me. You know, Irvin, you, you can, um, I love Evan's invitation for you to pray. Um, okay. But, and you can pray whatever God puts on your heart, but just a sense. Sure. Um, I would love for you to pray for um, the three of us and for everyone listening. Sure. For the courage um, to do exactly that. Mm. Yeah, okay. Certainly, certainly, absolutely. This episode's prayer practice is Irvin's prayer. We invite you to take a moment and prepare your heart, mind, and body. Be seated in a comfortable position and take a few deep breaths before returning your breath back to normal. We'll leave a period of silence before and after this prayer and encourage you to sit with this invitation for a bit. At the end of this episode and in the show notes, we've provided links to Truth Talks, Irvin's book, and social media for you to learn more about his work. And now to Irvin's prayer. 
Father, we just pause um, in the midst of our sharing and speaking with one another and with Larry and Jody and Evan and all of those who are listening. We just want to pause and speak to you. As we prepare to perhaps make decisions about what it is that you want to each of us to do and as it relates to this issue of, of race in our country and in our culture, perhaps even in our own household or certainly in our community. We need to talk to you. And so we, we wanna ask you to empower us in a way that we can't do for ourselves. Be for us what we can't be. Show us the things that we didn't even ask for. Speak to us in ways that we cannot even imagine. Because I trust, oh God, that you have a people that you are calling and that you're talking to, you're speaking to, even right now. That your desire is that our hearts be made pliable, our hearts be made agreeable with you. That your heart is that we might love one another as Christ has loved us. And by this love shall all men know that we are yours servants, that we are your followers, that we are lovers of your son, Jesus. So Father, I pray that you would take the moment, take this opportunity to speak to our hearts in a way that only you can. and give us the courage and the strength and sometimes even the conviction that we need to listen to you, to hear your voice because you, are, you desire to speak to us in a way that only you can. Father, we entrust this time we entrust this conversation. We entrust the words of our mouth and the intents of our hearts to you. That you would make it a reality and make it real in the hearts and the minds of those who are with us at this time and those who you will ordain to hear your voice. We thank you for what you've already done. We Celebrate what you're doing. And oh God, we so anticipate what you're going to be doing in the hearts and in the minds of your people. We do ask and thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Mm. Mm.
If you'd like to register for the next round of Truth Talks, please visit Irvin's website, givingvoicetotruth.com, and click the tab at the top labeled Truth Talks. If you'd like to purchase Irvin's book, you can do so on Amazon. Just search Giving Voice to Truth or click the link in the show notes of this episode. Follow along on social media at Giving Voice to Truth on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening and supporting the Thin Space podcast. If you have a minute, please leave a comment and review on Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to support the work of this podcast, you can make a tax-deductible donation on our website, cloudwalk.org give. May the Lord be with you. Thank you.